Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. It's episode 79, How to Be Unstoppable with Mylan Kapolovic. And this probably be the best show ever. So no pressure on me and my guests. Let me pay the bills first. If you haven't bought my book, Sell a Million, what are you waiting for? 101 tips to sell another million in furniture and mattress stores. And my favorite comment was from my good friend, Doug Stewart. He said, forget about mattresses, forget about furniture. This is just a great book about marketing for a small business. And let's pay the bills a little bit more. My dear friends at Mattress Industry Network have a great Facebook group that if you are in the mattress industry, you need to belong to it. It's 100% free. And it is the only one that I know that's actually run by retailers for the entire industry. If you want to learn more about merchandising, more about advertising, more about service, more about uh, competitors, more about uh, the best uh, vendors to use and what other people's experiences are. Join the Mattress Industry Network group today. Tell them Pete sent you. Hit the scan me and away we go. Mylon, wel- welcome to the show. How are you? Having me. So Mylon owns two companies, TK Financial Group and Inner Orbis. He's been very successful. And my dear friend, Pat Tinney, um, introduced us. And so I don't know this guy from Adam. So I watch the very first podcast on YouTube that I could find. And I found myself crying. And I found myself laughing. And I found myself go, that dude's just like me. And I kept going. I can't believe that I haven't invited Mylon to my show. So I'm literally watching it and I am typing to Mylon going, I have to have you on the show. I absolutely have to have you on the show. And the title is How to Be Unstoppable. But I want us to walk through a little bit about Mylon's life in his own words. I want you to start off in Croatia and bring us to Canada and some of the challenges, and then we're going to get into how to be unstoppable. Um, As you said, Pete, I was born in Croatia. Um, I grew up on a dirt floor, one kitchen stove, outhouse, no running water, and the kitchen stove was also for heating. Uh, From two weeks of age to eight, uh, then went to Zagreb where my mother lived, and then went to school there. We came to Canada. Uh, my parents had, uh, my father had two jobs, five days a week, and then Saturdays, one of those jobs, Saturdays and Sundays. My mother worked at home. Um, on a Saturday, one of the Saturdays, we were passing a car, and the guy decided not to let us get back into our lane, on a two-lane highway. Had an accident, I became an orphan. Um, we had to go through uh, through children's aid because my parents, being immigrants, they didn't speak English, they didn't have a will. So I ended up uh, with my uncle uh, in Hamilton, who at the time had uh, one little boy, one year old, and then later a, a girl. And I grew up there, uh, went to school. My first football scholarship was Idaho State in grade 11. Um, had numerous others, Florida, Syracuse, and whatever, and decided to, uh, due to personal circumstances, ended up staying in Canada. Went to Ottawa University, played football there. Uh, for three years, graduated in school, uh, was drafted by Winnipeg Blue Bombers and played two seasons by choice. I realized there wasn't enough money to sustain me. I had to start a career. Um, started in Ottawa in the life insurance business. I knew nobody, zero people. Uh, lots of knocking on doors, asking people to see me um, and developing a market. But I decided long ago, I wanted to serve three types of clients, business owners, professionals, and Jewish clients. Um, not being Jewish, that was a, a, a bit of a challenge, uh, but many of my clients currently are. Why? Because they care about the next generation. If you don't love anybody, don't buy an insurance product. That's my motto. Uh, subsequently, I've trained myself in everything from tax, 
to le- to legal, to insurance, to banking. So that hence that's where that inner orbis company came through, where I put pieces together for clients. Um, as a business owner, I've made my mistakes along the way. Um, partners that didn't work out. I won't go into details. Um, in some cases, cost me lots of money. Um, and so from there, it's like a box. And people say, how is it? You know, it's that you get hit in the ribs, you go down, you come back up again and go again. Um, am I unstoppable? Yeah, I can be stopped, but you're not going to keep me stopped. I'll figure out a way to get around it. So that's my motto. Figure out a way to get around it. Um, I read, or actually I do a pod, I listen to one book a week. I do most of my stuff on audio. I do read as well, obviously, but one book a week to educate myself from psychology, you know, tax, you name it. Um, So what I did is I virtually had to train myself to be servicing the clients that we serve. There's a lot there to unpack, but if you own a furniture or a mattress store and you're asking yourself, why should I be listening to this? As we unpack this, especially in today's environment, there are so many lessons that can be applied to your business to help you become unstoppable. So I want to go back and I just want to unpack a couple things. So you became an orphan at 15 years old. And a lot of people, Mylan, would stop. They would... uh, they would immerse themselves in their feelings and they would say, why me? Poor me. And they would stop living their life. What was going on in your mind? Um, Because obviously those were not your thoughts, even though that at some point in time, it might've been. Uh, What made your life so successful Versus other people. This is a major, major... Listen, I'm going to tell you, I lost my dad when I was 24 and it still hurts. Still hurts. I can't imagine losing both my parents at 15. I I can't even wrap my mind around it. So can you go back in time and kind of walk us through how how did you make it through that? Yeah, it's a good question because people, you know, sometimes they'll they'll hear my story and I I I've told it to some of my partners in a conference and the guy says, you know, I cried three times. I've never cried that many times in presentation. I wasn't embellishing anything. It's just reality. So what happens is they get they did, I'm in the back seat. I survive. They pass away. I moved to Hamilton, which is a bigger city, from 3,500 to a big city. 3,500 people. So the saving grace was I was an athlete. So grade nine, there was no psychologist, no physiotherapist, not, nobody to talk to about anything. So what I did, football, basketball, track, wrestling, and basketball. Uh, and uh, track, the wrestling, football, uh, soccer. Well, yeah, soccer was our, our national sport. So basically... All five sports. So I had no time to grieve, quite frankly. So what I did is I got into the sports from one thing to the next to the next. And when people say, well, you turned out to be good. Well, what if they supposed to turn out a criminal? Just because I had a bad set of cards handed to me, I decided otherwise. And hence the sports in reality, being part of sports, being part of teams and having friends as part of those teams. Help me all the way along. So I want to unpack that a little bit more. Um, specifically, what, what about being an athlete helped you make it through this tragedy? Because there's no other way I can, there's no other word I can associate with it. You had a horrible tragedy. You lost your mom and your dad and you immersed yourself in sports. What was it about the sports specifically that our owners can take away and apply to their life? Um, Perseverance. 
Uh, let's take a look at COVID. COVID hit uh, many people in my industry and other industries. Oh my God, not, nobody's going to be buying that or that. You have a choice. You can participate in feeling sorry for yourself or make a change. I don't care what you're selling. Um, as a business owner myself, I have my challenges, but you know, you hit a wall and you find a way to get around it. So what happened at that time was perseverance to keep going. Was I hurting? Yeah, it was hurting. But if you don't focus on the hurt and just keep going to the next thing, maybe you miss the hurt part, but you get on with your life. So in fact, that's perseverance is probably the best word that I can use. And I'm assuming that you had daily practices with these sporting events. So yeah, soccer, you for instance, was seven days a week. Okay. When I played soccer, I played for two separate teams. One was a, a rep, like a, a traveling team, and the other one was a local team. So you're going from one practice to game, practice to game. You don't really have time. When you're busy, you don't have time to think about stuff. So there was some structure and uh, the, the practice um, provided some structure for you. I want to ask you a question. Were you a natural athlete? Like the first time you wrestled, were you just awesome? And the first time you played football, were you just awesome? Did it come very easily for you? Or was it something that you kind of had to work at? Um, excellent question. I was never awesome when I started. Now, my key is whatever you're doing, just be be the best you can. So Talk about football. When I came to grade nine, again, lost my parents, moved to a new city. Football, I knew nothing about. I would go in the locker room and watch people put on their, their girdle, you know, like football yeah. with the tail. I would yeah. say, okay, don't put it in the front because the other guy got laughed at putting it there. So I didn't know football. I didn't know basketball. The only real sport I knew was track and because I was a track training with a guy that was in the 68 Olympics when I was in grade five. We used to finish off with a 15-mile run. So the advantage I had is the work ethic. And I think it's still to this day is what propels me to 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 achieve and keep going. But that was probably that I would say that would be it. You I know I, I was not a super uh superstar from the start. And that's why I always I guess I always I also coached football for 15 years. I always loved athletes that worked hard and they didn't have to be a superstar. But by the time we were done, they, we got them to, to where they felt good about themselves, what they were up to, which has always been my objective. So I want to unpack this a little bit more and then I want to tell you a little bit about me. So... <clears throat> Before the work ethic came into play, you did two things that were really, really important. You observed. You observed, and then you became aware, or you became aware and you observed. I don't know. I guess you you became aware that you may not know how to put this girdle on, so you observed somebody else doing it the right way and the wrong way and chose to do it the right way. So as not to incur the scorn that this poor one fellow obviously um, got. So I love the work ethic part of it. And, and I'm going to tell you, I wanted to play football in the worst way. And I started when I was 11 going on 12 uh, before it started in school. Uh, it, the equivalent of Little League football, it's called Pop Warner in the East. I grew up in upstate New York, ended up in Ohio. And I was so fat, Mylon, that I could not run. So everybody had to run a lap around the field, but I couldn't run. I like waddled and I walked and it was horrible. And I just remember. I really liked playing. I wasn't very good. I don't know how I ended up being a starter, but I but I was, and maybe we only had enough kids to field one exact team. I don't re really remember that part of it. 
But I remember my mother, um, about four or five weeks into the season, uh, came up behind me when I started walking and started screaming at me. And the embarrassment from that made me never walk again when I was supposed to be running for my entire life, whether it be football or selling mattresses. Um, never wanted my mother to come up from behind me and yell at me and, um, and, and, you know, so I had a lot of work to do because I was so beat up after that first season. I realized Mylon, these kids were, they were, um, they were faster than me. They were quicker off the ball than me. They had better technique than me. And they were physically stronger than me. And so I started lifting weights and I started to do various drills. And when I came back the next year, I was really like head and shoulders above everyone else because how many 11 and 12 year olds get serious about a sport? Mm -hmm. I got very serious, very fast, but it was all about work ethic. I mean, all the way through, whether you talk about my second season of Pop Warner football or you talk about, uh, you know, playing um, high school football or or I never made it to the pros. And congratulations on making it to the pros. Thank you. Um, that's, that, that's a heck of an accomplishment. So what position did you play? Well, in uh, high school, I played defensive end and guard. I went both ways. Yeah. So it means I never left the field, including the specialties. Um, in university, when I went to first year Ottawa University, I was a defensive end. When I went pro, I started as a defensive end, but they also had me at offensive guard and tackle. Um, I was 325 and I could bench 440, curl 225, Ooh. sats of Ooh. eight and Ooh. squat. I did one squat for 850 pounds. I worked really hard at it. So that's, I guess, part of it. As a Canadian those days, you had to play specialty teams. So when NFL cuts would come to Winnipeg, they were tested against me. So if he was an offensive lineman, there would be two bags and a bag in the back standing up as quarterback. And he would have to stop me from getting to the bag. And if he was a defensive lineman, I was, I became an offensive lineman. So I got to play both sides of the equation. Um, and as a, at those days, you play specialty teams. If you can't play specialty teams in the Canadian Football League as a Canadian, you're not going to, typically you will have a hard time unless you're just a total superstar that went to Penn State. Like I have some friends that did that where they were not one of them was a number one draft choice uh, in the Canadian Football League. Uh, went to Penn and uh, University of Connecticut. Uh, I coached them in grade 11. So that's the other part of our coaching kids. What I loved is the kids that didn't um, didn't believe in themselves. But when you showed them stuff, and all of a sudden you should see their face light up. Um, I coached 15 years, again, 7-year-olds to 18, 19-year-olds, and then university one year. And a lot of fun was seeing a kid that people didn't believe in. And you take him and say, no, you're not cutting this kid. I think he's got talent. He doesn't know the rules because I was there. When I came to grade nine, I didn't know what football was. I would jump offside. Was I fast? Yeah, because of track. But I would jump offside consistently because the minute I saw the guy's head move, I'm thinking ref's going to see that. Well, he wasn't. So we had a lot of penalties. So then off season, I said, I'm, like you went to train, I did the same. But then I said, I'm going to learn this game. I'm going to learn the rules. Right. And the following year, just, you know, everything else was history. But, yeah. uh, you know, Ottawa, when I was at Ottawa U, I was doing weights two and a half hours a day. Mm. Okay. So whatever you're doing, whether you're selling mattresses, whether, you know, how can I get better? I know that people may think, what's this sales guy? Uh, what is he talking about? You know, I'm selling mattresses. It's not any different. We're all no. in the same business. Whether you're yeah. selling your, your kids, your wife, your friends on an idea, it's sales. Yep. So believe, first of all, is starting to believe in your product. Like if I believe in something, you're going to have a real hard time convincing me otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm a I'm a big believer in Intel, and I am a big believer. Uh, when I went to college and they had films for us to watch, uh, I was in that film room more than anybody. I was in that film room more than a quarterback. I knew the other teams, uh, their percentages in, in a particular formation to run a particular play. I knew how to read. I'll never forget this. You'll appreciate this. Um, and any of you other football players will appreciate this. And even if you never played football, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. So we were graded on freaking every step. And I wasn't used to that in high school, but in college, it was a whole different thing. And so I got a zero because I abandoned the defense. The reason I abandoned the defense, I was a defensive tackle. I looked at my guard. He was leaning backwards. When I was looking at their all-American running back and his eyes were going this way. I got, I was left defensive tackle. I got up out of my stance. I ran behind the line all the way around to my right. So I ran like 10 yards, then 10 yards up. And I almost got that pitch out, but I didn't quite get it. So I got a star for an excellent play. It was a 10-yard sack. Uh, in the backfield, and this uh, all-American running back didn't know what hit him, and but I abandoned the defense, so I got a zero. So, <laughs> so I, you know, the funny things that happen. Um, one of the things that I've noticed in my career is when I ask store owners, "When's the last time you shopped your competitor?" Well, I can't shop my competitor. Okay. Because everybody knows who you are and you've been here forever. I get that. All right. So when's the last time you asked one of your new salespeople to shop your competitor? Because we don't live in a world without competitors. We have competitors. We need to know what they do. And there is a very fine line, and you, you know this better than I do, between focusing in on making your company the best it can be and also being aware of what your competition is doing so that you can react appropriately and give the best service to your customer, right? Right. So when you made this transition from pro football and you said, listen, I've been playing for two years. This has been great, but um, I need to get serious about producing income um, and I need to get serious. And then did you take those lessons? You know, one of the things that you said was you, you had a better work ethic than a lot of the other athletes. Um, it wasn't because you were just naturally this unbelievable specimen. Huh. You kind of made yourself. I mean, sounds like you were eating weights, like two and a half hour yeah. workouts a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's no accident that you got that strong, right? Yeah. At first, I couldn't bench 200 pounds. I could pick up a, per a player and throw him away. But bench pressing was, as you know, it's difficult because you got the balance thing going. Yeah. And so I just kept going to the weight room, going to the weight room, going to the weight room. And eventually it was like, okay, we do 305, 15 pounds, 10 times, slow, boom, boom, boom. Well, you don't get there from right off the bat, as you know. Right. And, and that's the difference is, okay, what do you need? What did I need to do? I had to train, um, train hard, train smart. Um, and, and business is not any different than that. That's why there's so many, so much correlation between being in business, being in sales as to any sport. I don't care what sport you choose. Yeah. There, there, there's no doubt that the work ethic that you establish in a sport, I'm going to say it this way. If it doesn't carry over to your professional life, what the F were you doing? Seriously. Yeah. You, you were playing a game and you developed nothing. Yeah. I mean, if you don't take that discipline into your life and that perseverance into your life and that dedication to excellence into your life, to me, your athletic career doesn't, it doesn't matter how many trophies you won. It doesn't matter. Nothing about it matters to me. 
I want to know, is that the same dude or dudette that was a two-time All-American? Is that the same person? And the answer should be, yes. I learned my lessons. I learned how to work. I learned how to discipline myself. I learned how to put others before my own needs. And that is called being a teammate and playing for a team. You know, Mylon, I'm sure you did. I can tell you is overrated. (laughs) Teamwork, is it overrated? (laughs) Well, you know, Pete, it's a good question. But I can tell you when I have teammates that I could depend on, you know, like they used to, you know, whether whatever level I used to tell my kids, like when they were seven years old, you play this position. Don't worry about him because they would always look at the next person and say, well, you know, coach, he's not going to do the, no, no, worry about yourself. But when you get to trust your teammates, that is huge. Yeah. Because then you've got, okay, I got to do this. This is my role as in our business. Uh, my senior assistant, we've been together for 27 years. Well, I trust her. I trust her to do the job and do the best we can. And people get blown away because, you know, we respond to clients' requirements within the same day easily. Whereas they say, I haven't heard from my advisor in five weeks to this question how to, about tax, something to do with tax. And they go, oh my God. But it, it's, again, having team members but it's really hard to get the right team members. That's that's always been a challenge in business. I'm sure you face that as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go through a lot to get the right ones. Uh, hopefully, you take notes and uh, when you start to get some of the warning signs, you avoid rather than em- embrace uh, the same mistakes again. Yeah. Um, so there's something that really hits me hard. Um, and that is this focus on giving value to others almost to a fault. And that describes you and it describes me. I've been used and abused. Um, and I'm sure you have too, but here's the thing for me and I, I want to get your thoughts on it too. I would rather uh, make an error on the side of giving somebody too much credit than pull back and not be participating the way that I should. Now, that doesn't mean that I drive my car off of the cliff the same way every time. I try to learn and try not to repeat previous mistakes. But if it's a gray area, I'm sorry, I'm going for it. I I don't know any other way, but I'm open to your thoughts. Well, it's uh, thank you for asking that question. Uh, Over the last 40 years being in business, I've helped people buy cars, helped companies sell bomb suits. I've helped arrange surgeries. Um, You name it, I've done it. You want windows, doors, you want renovations, you want car tires, you want cars. Um, And usually because I know the owner. So it's, I've connected people. So it got to the point, you know, it's not like I I do everything for somebody without expectation. I don't expect you to turn around next minute and give me something. But, you know, I was having a hard time after helping some people two, three, four times, nothing coming back the other way started hitting me. So I asked one of my clients, I said, uh, Phil, he's a dean of psychology at the local university. I said, I want, you know, I want somebody, I have a client that wants to see a psychologist. So, so Phil says, okay, go see Dr. Uh, um, whatever his name is. I, I've forgotten it. So go see Dr. So I go see him and the guy says, tell me your story. He said, I don't want to know about your childhood. He's a cognitive therapist. So I tell him, I said, listen, I've helped a thousand people. And some of them, I, I wish him a happy birthday. They didn't even respond. So, you know, he said to me, Pete, he says, what did you expect? I said, well, just call him courtesy. So he goes, listen, I've been in this business for a long time. And he says, this is what happens. When people help people, two things happen. It's either they're going to push off of you because they don't know how to reciprocate or even attack the person that's helped them. And that was like mind-blowing. We're only at two sessions because I, I just kind of like, what, what? Yeah, 
So what happens is, he says, do you like owing something to somebody? And I said, uh, no, of course not. I hate it. He goes, well, that's exactly what happens. So it, the key factor is, I will help you. And, you know, over the time, you learn that people, people don't necessarily reciprocate. And that's fine. But the point of it is, I will still do it to this day. I've gotten people jobs I don't even know. Where in Toronto, a friend of mine, Kevin, says, I got this guy, he's blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, Kevin, do you know this? Yes, I do. Would you hire? Yes, I would. Okay. I got this guy a job at a local company that also does business in Toronto. I never met him. I met him five years later when this company in Ottawa had their, had a, a little get together and I went there. He goes, I want to meet you. So the idea is I'm not, I'm going to err on the side of helping somebody, even though there's going to be people that are going to hurt you. One thing I said to my kids, uh, I said, don't give somebody three chances. That was a mistake I did over and over thinking, oh, well, it's got to because of this. Oh, well, because of that, because of that. No, listen, if somebody does something bad to you the first time around, they're going to do it again. They're going to do it again. So I've done that before. Now, you know what? I, I'm open. People that I've done will have a conversation and say, okay, here's where I'm coming from. Here's where you're coming from. Bye. That's what I would say that be careful because our time is valuable. Uh, it's either I give it to you or somebody else or to myself, do whatever the heck I want to do or my family and don't give it away. Yep. That's awesome. Okay. It's halftime. And for those of you who have your book at home, we are on page 53. And it is chapter 33. Your number one product is you. Successful store owners understand and embrace the fact that their number one product is their own self. Therefore, they invest time and money in making this product the best it can be. In today's business world, there's no room for weak, personality-less, timid marketers. You must understand only the strong survive. Success starts with you, what you focus on, how you think, and what you do on a repeated and consistent basis. The good news is there are plenty of excellent books, courses, and people to help you develop and maximize your personal skills. And my goal with this chapter is to simply remind you of the critical importance of focusing on self-development. When I wrote this book, I was 54. I'm now almost 62. So I am 54 years old right now. By the time I get this book finished and published, I will be 55. And here I am at 62 reading this to you. I listen to most of my books in my, in my van while I drive 20 to 30 hours a week. I've turned my van into a learning institution. I suggest that you find time and make an that you find time and make time to further your sales, business, and marketing education. When you accept the fact that like product research and development, personal research and development is equally important, you're on your way to bigger and better things. Here are a few simple ways to do this. Read, study, and most of all, implement. If you drive a lot, listen and implement. Have an inner circle of trusted friends. Attend events with excellent speakers. Promise yourself you will always be a student. Always be learning. Celebrate and enjoy success, but be careful of complacency. What say you, Mylon? You got any thoughts? I love this. This was great. I don't care what business you're in. Uh, complacency is death. It is. And, and, you know, it's like some athletes, and we've seen them in the NFL, NBA, you name it. They like to read their own press. So they forget to work. It's like some guy says, hey, this guy's really good. Oh, I'm really good. I don't really have to hustle as hard anymore. I don't have to go to the gym as much anymore. Uh, if you read the story, uh, I listen to books. I have on my cell phone probably 900 books right now. Okay? Some I go back to. 
So I love listening because I'm in the car or at home or whatever. Even when I'm in a gym, my wife tells me I put the phone down because I'm listening to stuff. Um, long story short is, so the idea is you have a choice. Um, you can learn on your own, which is painful, or learn from others. Um, so I've chosen the other route. I'm going to learn from others. Like we we're talking about Dan Sullivan. He was a strategic coach. When he started strategic coach, I was in his first classes. Um, and he wrote a book, Who Not How, amazing book. I wish I would have read it when I was 20 years old. Because we all in business, we always keep thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? You know, oh, I got to do this, do that. No, no. Who do I need to know to help me there? It's like one guy said, if I learned to type, I would have never become a general. I, I hope that Jeff Janakovo is listening to this. Because uh, Jeff Janakovo is a friend of mine, a customer of mine. And I met Jeff for the very first time at a super conference in Florida for GKIC, Dan Kennedy. And did you just say Dan Sullivan was your coach? Yep. When he started his coaching, I met Dan. I wish I would have listened to him. Uh, I would have saved myself millions. Uh, because right from the start, my partner, business partner at that time, he said, you should get rid of him. He was right. It cost me later because I didn't listen. But then the way his, the, the, the coaching, I, he's amazing. And he's gone to great things, certainly in the world, not just low, you know, right now to get him as a coach, have a hard time. I'm sure because yeah. he's, he's, he's coaching some unbelievable people, but he's got two books out. Or at least the two I've already listened to over and over. Um, and that one, who not, you know, who not how is just mind blowing because of who do you need to know? Who do you need to have in your, your network? Uh, I'm a big believer in networks and helping my network. So people go, well, you know, let me teach you how to network. Great. What's networking? Who can you help? If you start off with that versus who's going to help me. Yeah, they're going to help you, but who can I help? Tell me what you need. Let me make a phone call. Like, And again, Dan Solomon was one of them. I currently have another coach uh, here in Ottawa, a strategic uh, coach as well, Eric Deschamps, and we meet once a month. And it's funny because in sports, <laughs> we all have coaches, but in business, who do you turn to? Your friends? Yeah, I have some great friends that I can, that are business owners and one's a fireman, my best two buddies. Um, and I turn to them, you know, I'll turn to Nick and, and just, just general conversation. But your coach is the one that really knows inside out what's going on. And it took me forever, took me almost 40 years, some things that my coach was able to uncover. Um, and, and you know, cause I'm like a dog on a bone, as one of my clients said. And he said, thanks God, thank God, because you get stuff done. He didn't say stuff. He started, he said it with S-H-I-T. <laughs> I, I get, I get stuff done. But, but again, as a, as a, you know, you, you, my thing is learn, learn, learn. And Pete, you said something. You always keep learning. People go, how long is it going to take me to, to be where you are? Oh, no, never. Because by the time you get to where I am, I'm going to be already down the road. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, I want to just unpack something before we we continue. It, it was funny because right before I um I, I, we we took our halftime break, I made a note that I wanted to talk about coaching. Um when you're a store owner, you're at the top. Your general manager is unlikely to challenge you. Your sales reps, 99% of them, unless I'm one of them, because I will challenge you. Um, and sometimes people like that and sometimes they don't, but it's part of my job to help people be the absolute best they can be. But Dan Sullivan is a incredible, highly regarded talent very few people know outside of GKIC. Um, but when you start to name off really successful business people, there's a good chance they were coached by Dan Sullivan. As long as two things, 
They had the money, which is significant now because he's been so wildly successful. And two, you're serious about your business because Dan Sullivan is a guy who is so in demand that he will not put up with somebody who's not serious. After one coaching session, if you prove that you're not going to do something that you said you're going to do, you're pretty much done. Uh, So Dan Sullivan is a really big deal. For those of you who've never heard that name, Google him, learn about that dude. He is awesome. You need a coach. If you own a business, you need a coach. And that leads us into, it sounds to me, between your coaching and your learning and your networking, that you have probably either created on accident or have formal, formally engaged in masterminds. What, what say you about masterminds? I think mastermind groups are great. Uh, I am blessed for, um, I'm blessed for two reasons. One, not knowing anybody in this area when I got into business, I really didn't. Uh, and the second for the work ethic and getting to know people. So the advantages that I have currently, I have about 800 clients. All business owners of all types, professionals, Congratulations. whatever. Thank you. It didn't come easy. But I have the ability to call anybody and I will sit down with them and, and some people say rap with them and say, hey, you know, what do you think? Um, so did, and the problem as a business owner, that's why many business owners either don't have a coach or they don't know who to turn to. It's very lonely being a business owner. Very lonely. It is because you, you, you know, you're dealing with stuff, some stuff you want to share, other stuff you don't want to share. You wake up at three in the morning, you know, looking at the, at the ceiling and saying, Holy crap, this is bothering me. Um, and the idea of having a network, if you had a mastermind group that was solid, like minded people, I belong to different groups, business networks. Some are good. Some are terrible. Um, I have one right now where there's about 40 some odd gentlemen. They're all successful. Uh, and good number of them are way more successful than I am, but they become friends and some of them have become clients. So even my book, the last book I wrote, 10 people you mean in business, people say, wow, you know, no, it's not about me. Every person in that chapter is telling their own story. What we did is we videotaped them and then subscribed it and gave it to them for permission to print. So that book, and I'm not, you know what, you can buy the book, you don't have to, it doesn't matter. It's called The 10 People You Meet in Business. You're going to meet some unbelievable people. And they weren't born with a silver spoon. Yeah. So my idea was to write this book, was to create this book for people to pick up. You can pick it up in any chapter, any chapter of the book, and you'll get a story. So just like this, when people say, why do you do podcasts? Because I want to get back. You know, it's the footprint. You know, like plant the tree you're never going to sit under. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people. Uh, whether it's an, even in my own industry, people will call me. They're, they're competitors. Say, Milan, you know, you know, what would you do? I said, well, here, here's what you do. So the idea for me is help as many people as you can. But having a, a tight group, and most business people don't have it. So yeah. they're, they're swimming out there with the sharks on their own. And I'm saying to you, Get a mastermind group or just, we had a group at one point, just eight of us, an investment advisor, a banker, uh, a lawyer, an accountant, uh, uh, all, and we would meet regularly for lunch and just have a conversation. How's it going? What's going on with you? How can yep. I help? Who do you need to know? Yep. I was in a mastermind and uh, the one of the gentlemen was getting ready to retire. And he didn't know how to sell his business. And there were two other guys in that group who had sold businesses before. And do you want to know something? Even though I was nowhere close to wanting to sell my business, I was fascinated. And I just, what I learned in watching this interaction was amazing. And one of the weird things that happens in a mastermind when we're solving someone else's problem, a lot of times you might have had a version of that problem and you'll find the answers right there in front of you. 
And it's just a great way to learn from other people's experience instead of having to do it all yourself. Uh, Jim, if you get a chance, can you pull up the picture of uh, Mylan Holden, uh, the book, uh, 10 People You Meet in Business? I believe I sent that to you whenever you get a chance. So I went to order it and there must be something weird with um, the link that Pat posted because I it said it wouldn't deliver it to me. You're, it's not prohibited in the United States, is it? Not that I know. Okay. Uh, it's I, on I, Amazon, Freeson Press, uh, um, Barnes and Noble, uh, Indigo. Um, so I know that I know Pat got his copy. He was he was he was kind of giving me feedback because I really appreciate somebody like him saying, yeah. "Hey, what do you think, Pat?" You know, yeah. and, Pat's uh, amazing. Well, I I will order it later on today, and you know these projects that end up turning into books become like our children, right? How about this, Pete? Send me your email address. I, I have the email. Send me all your address, all your coordinates. I'll send you a book. Save you the hassle. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so we started off with how to be unstoppable. If anybody is listening now and didn't hear the first 10, 20 minutes, you got to go back, uh, go on YouTube where this uh, video will live forever or go on your favorite podcast platform. It'll be on there. You will learn how to be unstoppable just by listening to Mylan's story and how he reacted to a tragedy. And we've been kind of covering it, but just to succinctly kind of wrap this up, if you were to give three to five ways to help somebody who is getting sidetracked, you know, listen, if you're in the United States, you could sit here and get all worried because people are talking about a recession. There's a recession. There might be a recession. We won't really know till September. It feels like a recession. I'm just going to say this. When I got into the business in January of 1982, it wasn't until November of 82 that the first recession that I was ever part of was over. So I've never known anything different. 16 months long of a recession. Thank you. Thank you very much for... That's the book I'm ordering later. And I think everybody listening to this should do the same. Um. And so I counted them and there has been a total of five recessions since I started in business and this might make our six. So how to be unstoppable in the face of news that would tend to slow the average bear down? How do we become unstoppable? First, uh, that's helped me through the pandemic um, is a planner. Ooh, focus planner. Uh, I use this and do my goals, uh, do my, my yearly goals, my weekly goals and a summary. Uh, so have a planner. And that way every day you get up or hopefully night before, you know what you're going to do Friday. You're going to know what you're going to do, who you're going to call, what's your three main things. So that's, that would be to me is the number one, um, that saved me. We had the banner year during COVID, best two years ever. Again, keep in mind, I couldn't see clients face-to-face. We had to do Zoom calls. We were doing multi-million dollar applications over Zoom. I had done business with clients I had never even seen before in person. Wow. Okay? So we found a way. We found a way to do it. And with insurance companies up here, uh, no nurses were seeing clients, so they couldn't get blood tests. We got arrangements made through insurers uh, to do certain things. So, you know, some people sat on their hands and said, okay, this is a two-week thing that's going to go away. It didn't go away. So the saving grace was that. Stay on track, uh, read books, and listen to positive material. I've told some, I've gotten rid of some people in my life that were negative. 
Why? Because every time the, the sky is falling, the, you know, this is happening, the chick, you know, like, give me a break. I already know what the situation is. I don't want to read about, you know, it's choose not to participate in the recession. Find a way to win. Now, the advantage today is if you provide great service, you provide great service, you're going to be that much more noticeable because of the other people are not. So that, that's another part is that whatever product you're selling is the service. Building a network. Who do you need to know? Dan Solomon book. Who? Who do I need to know? My network is very strong, extremely strong. So that's a saving grace. Tell me what you want to do. I'm involved as, as a team player, uh, clients selling their business during COVID. I helped two partners buy each other out during COVID. I helped a lawyer get his office outfitted through another client of mine. Now, did that make me money directly? No, but it made me feel good, made my clients appreciative of what you do. So what else can you do? Uh, involvement, whether in, in a community, it amazes me how many people that have a business in the community are not involved at all. It's people that buy your product. So that part, um, I do my LinkedIn. I do posts. Yeah, it's, it has, has it generated me millions of dollars of business? No, but it's provided me an opportunity to give information, provide valuable information. It's not pitching. Look at any of my LinkedIn posts. It's not pitching, call me for a good time. No, it's, it's here it is. Here's what a business owner should know. Watch out for this. So that's part. Um, Twitter, uh, less, uh, because there's so much negative garbage that goes on there and you never know what's true, what's not. So what I do when I do post, if you check it lately, especially in the last while, it's all positive stuff. Whether it's mental health, how do I deal with mental health? It's a real problem. Of now stop, in our business stop, stop listening to garbage. That, yeah, garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> that's that's uh, the first time I heard that was from Jeffrey Gittimer. I yep. thought Jeffrey had two heads when he said, stop listening to the news. Like, oh, how am I going to know what's going on if I don't listen to the news? And then I found out, guess what? There's life after the news. And it's a happier life with lower blood pressure and less hemorrhoids. It's really great. Good point. Uh, Patrick Tinney. Pat, I love you. And I love the fact that you put me and Milan together. Uh, I, I just, I've had so much fun this last hour. Patrick Tinney said, find a way to win. There's no correct way to win. Do it. Jim, can you pull that other one? I got my copy of Milan's book today. Uh, no, book. Pete, you can buy it on Amazon USA. Well, I'm going to, my friend's going to give me one and I'm going to buy one too. And I'm going to give one away to a friend after I get done with it because that's the way I roll. Um, you just gave us so many things to do. Find a way, read books. This one is huge. Shed people who are negative. I'm going to tell you something. And store owners, it could be a negative person that you have put up with for far too long. And when you get rid of him or her, you're going to find that you're going to have so much more fun in your business and you having fun in your business translates to a feeling when people walk into your store that this is a great place to shop. This is a great place to be. There's a feeling inside of a building. And either that feeling is positive or it's negative. And then there's all different kinds of positive and negative. When you get rid of negative people, you create a better environment for your people, for your customers to shop and to eventually buy. So get rid of negative people and do that in your personal life and do that in your professional life. You'll never know how, how uh, we had a vendor years ago and it created so much grief for us, this one vendor. The problem was it was like 
third or fourth on our income generating lines. It, it was a good producer. But I wrestled and wrestled and I tried to bring uh, my partners into line on it. And finally, I just decided I've got to go ahead. And I, and I approached them both and I said, I just gave up XYZ line because it's been nothing but a you-know-what ache. And you're going to thank me in two weeks. I know that I've tried to bring you along. 20 or more times in the last six months and you didn't want to come along with me. Finally, I made that decision. And guess what? Two weeks later, my two partners said to me, thank you. I really, really didn't realize how bad that line was dragging us down. Send the drama queens to Broadway. That is where they belong by Patrick Tinney. Absolutely. Here's That's, what I did with a guy that I have had as a friend for a long time. Every time I would call him, I would just call him, how you doing? And he would say to me, oh, this is happening, that's happening. And I finally started asking him, is there anything positive going on in your life? <laughs> and this went on a few times. I haven't heard from him in months. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that is great advice. Shed people who are negative, just like you shed a blocker to go make a tackle on a running back. Um, provide great service and build a network. I love that so much. When everything that we say and do focuses in on making our customers better, more profitable, do more volume, uh, reduce uh, liabilities on the back end of their business, specifically in furniture and mattresses, your warehouse can kill you. Uh, you could have uh, theft in your warehouse. You could just have poor delivery service and not be audited in that, not realizing that your warehouse people and your delivery people are slowly killing your business. So provide great service, pay attention to great service, build a network, and community. Give back. That community is feeding your family and you got to feed the community. And not only do you need to do things for the community, but you got to get credit for it. And not because you want to beat yourself on the chest and say, I'm the best. You want to do it for the right reason. And here's the right reason. There's somebody that owns a store down the street and they were thinking about getting active in the community too, but they didn't do it. But they see you and they go, you know what? Maybe I should do that. So, um, and the LinkedIn posts, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's a little bit of networking. Sometimes we get something, sometimes we don't. It, it, it's, it's not the cake. It's not even the frosting, my friend. It, it, it's the cherry on top, right? It, it, it really is. But, Anybody who wants to be unstoppable, listen to this two or three times because I started off with a blank piece of paper. And I'll show you what I have. I have about 20 or 30 things here. You're going to have to prioritize these for your own business, for your own self. And I don't care if you own a store or you're a sales rep or you're an RSA who wants to sell more. There is so much in this last hour that that Milan uh, Milan has so graciously given us, and started off with a tragedy and ended up with a super successful business. That's really, if you want to sum it up very quickly and easily, it, it's called being a giver. He gives. He gives of himself. He gives of his heart. He gives of his time. Give more to your customers. And guess what? Those five-star online reviews that you need, those will happen. Those testimonials that you need, those will happen. And those referrals that we all need, those will happen. How do you guys think that he went from zero clients to 800 clients? He did it one client at a time, over-serving that client so well and caring about that client deeply so that they referred customers to him. They gave him 
great testimonials to help build his business. And with that, I just want you to have the last word because we're we're bucking up on an hour that went fast. I could go for a whole nother hour, but uh, Jim's gonna get, give me uh, give me the boot here if I if I don't uh, wrap this up. Well, I'll uh, I'll finish off to say that uh, listen, um, being unstoppable doesn't mean you don't get stopped. Running back gets stopped going through the line. How many times do you see that running back spin out and all of a sudden he's gone 40 yards down the field and scored a touchdown? Why? He didn't stop. He couldn't, he was stopped. It looked like he was stopped, but he wasn't. His feet kept moving. He kept onto the ball, found a hole, went down the field and got the six. If you guys want to connect with Milan, go to LinkedIn. And he's on there all the time because 90% of our communication up till now was maybe 100% was on LinkedIn other than an email here or there. But uh, look him up and uh, take advantage of this man's wisdom. You want to talk about a self-made guy? That Here's a self-made guy. And he'll be the first to tell you that he didn't do it all by himself, that he had a lot of help along the way. But that's the way all great achievers talk. And that's, uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time uh, to give to, to, to our audience today. And I hope that somebody reaches out, connects with you. And uh, Patrick, thank you so much for connecting us. Thanks, Pat. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay.